0: After the economic collapse in 2008, it became harder for young people to buy homes. But the millennials, people born from around 1980 to 2000, are a resilient group. Young people are still buying homes, but maybe not as many as 20 years ago.
1: If I had a million dollars,
0: if I had a million dollars, will I buy you a house? I would buy you a house. And if I Good morning, I'm Chris Williams, and today on Fordham Conversations, we're talking about housing and how people from different generations go about buying a house. It turns out, baby boomers have different attitudes towards homeownership than millennials, and they're buying different types of homes. To find out more about this, I spoke to Jessica Lautz. She's the director of member and consumer research at the National Association of Realtors. We talked about a study that NAR put out called Home Buyer and Seller Generational Trends. So I looked over um, some of the research about generational trends, and one of the things that you guys found is that younger buyers tend to be more optimistic. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the reasons why that might be?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, We did find that they're more optimistic. So when they think about their home purchase, they're not only thinking about a place where they're going to live and a roof over their head, but they're thinking about the financial investment in their future. Um, I think one of the reasons why it could be is that often these are first-time buyers going into the market, so they didn't have a previous experience where many of the other buyers experienced the downturn. Another reason why they could be more optimistic, I think, is because they're often purchasing for that pure desire to own a home, and they're willing to make financial sacrifices. So they really want to get into this home and feel like they own something. They can paint the walls or do their own yard work and really have their own place to live. So I think there's a there's an optimism there's a hope out there among these first time home buyers as they enter the housing market
0: now people who were older who were less optimistic this that wasn't necessarily their first home that they were buying
1: correct so they're they're more likely to be repeat buyers in the market um, among that youngest generation so generation y so they were born in 1980 to 2000 um, 79% of them were first time home buyers so that's a much higher percentage than we would see on a national level The historical norm is about 40% when we look back to 1980. Um, So among the other generations, you could see that 79%. And then when you go to Gen X, you're looking at in the 30s. And then you go to the other generations, and the first-time homebuyer share just rapidly decreases.
0: The economy has been bad, so it's, it's harder for younger people to buy homes. So do you think that the ones who maybe are able to, they're feeling a little bit more grateful that they're able to afford it?
1: Um, I think that could be true. They are making financial sacrifices. So I don't want to just completely dismiss that. So the financial sacrifices that we ask about could be they're cutting spending on perhaps going out to the movies or luxury items that they don't necessarily need, but they are making those. Um, So I don't want to completely dismiss that, but I think there is probably some optimism that we could actually do this. Um, And perhaps among their cohort, they couldn't necessarily when they look around.
0: Mm -hmm. And one of the other things about younger buyers is that they also tended to make more compromises when it came yes. to buying a home.
1: So they, when they get out there into the home buying market, their incomes are typically a little less because they're Gen Y. They're right out of college, maybe their first job or maybe their second job, but just starting out in their career. Uh, they typically have lower incomes, and the home prices that they're buying is lower than the median. So um, those types of homes perhaps tend to be older, a little bit smaller square footage-wise, but I don't want to dismiss those homes either because they typically are three bedrooms, two bath homes. So it's a pretty nice place to live. Um, and they're expecting to live there about 10 years.
0: The other thing I read is that younger people tended to stay closer to their previous residence when moving, while older people tended to move farther away.
1: hmm That's absolutely true. So our older buyers, they could be moving for perhaps a job relocation or retirement. So they're escaping the northeast cold that we're having right now and going down south. Uh, for a little warmth, they could be doing that. Or our older buyers are typically also moving more frequently to be closer to friends and family. So that friends and family, they could be on the other side of the country. Um, You know, they're grown-up kids. They want to be closer to their grandkids, things like that.
0: And and so why would younger people stay closer? Just because they Um, have the same career or or something? Yeah,
1: same career. And they're also looking for school districts when they look uh, to purchase as well. So the quality of the school district or staying within that same school district for their kids if they have them. Um, So I think those are the other thought processes perhaps going into their mind as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So the study also looked a little bit at, um, at seller trends Mm -hmm. from the other side of it. So can you tell me what, um, what you guys found on that end of it?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, So when we looked at sellers, uh, there's, a very, very small amount of Gen Ys who are actually in the the seller category, so just 9%. Um, But we did find among all of our sellers that they're typically staying in their home longer than they had in past years. So when we looked back at the study, when we look back around 2006, 2007, buyers or sellers were typically staying in their home about six to seven years. And now we see that's grown to about nine years. So the tenure in home has grown quite a bit. Our sellers are typically selling right now, um, not just for that desire to buy a home like we see on the buyer side, but perhaps for job relocation, a family change, to be closer to friends and family.
0: What other research could you tell me about that maybe goes beyond this one um, study that I looked into?
1: We recently released a profile of home buyers and sellers, and we do that on an annual basis, and we released it in November. So that's our most recent data. Um, And we actually, where the generational trends data is, hold from is actually that data set. Um, so we were redoing this generational trends report in a couple months, looking at the newest and hottest data. One of the things that we found was very interesting, um, a question that we added to the profile of home buyers and sellers, was debt holding back consumers. So among our recent buyers, 12% of them said, I had a hard time saving for a down payment. This is a difficult thing, putting away this money, chalking it away. And when we looked at what type of debt, was holding back that 12%. Among our younger buyers, the student loan debt. Maybe not too surprising, but it was interesting to see it on paper and to finally have those numbers out there. Another thing that we found is when you look at the different generations, um, when you go above the youngest generation, you're seeing credit card debt is actually holding back those consumers. So it's interesting to see the changes that can happen when you're replacing one debt with another.
0: So what would your advice be for someone a young person, a millennial who is looking to buy a home?
1: Um, my advice would be, it's the first of the year, Good New Year's resolution time to start chalking away that money. Um, to look at those homes that perhaps have been sitting for a while, that um, just take a second glance at them. Because inventory is tight in a lot of areas, but there are those homes that some of the buyers have overlooked. And it might be a good opportunity for you to go in there and take a look at it.
0: Another thing too is that a lot of people use the internet to find um, listings. Is that something that's kind of been happening more recently or has this been happening for a while? Because I mean, the internet's been around for a little bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The internet has been around for a little bit. Uh, We've been tracking that figure since 2003 and we have seen the trend of usage for home searches has increased over time. So among our younger population, especially they're using it not only to look for homes, but they're looking at Uh, mortgage offers, and they're looking at where they actually want to map out and their next step. Um, So taking that home listing, going to Google Maps or uh, to their Apple map or whatever, and they're saying, okay, this is gorgeous pictures. Now I want to drive around this neighborhood, find this home, going to open houses. What's my next step? I need to find a realtor. Um, So things like that. They're really using it in every aspect of their home purchase.
0: Do you find that people are using realtors as much as they used to, or are some people kind of looking to do it themselves, kind of?
1: Our data actually shows that they are, and they're using full-service realtors as well. Um, So not limited brokerage, but someone who can do all aspects of the home purchase and home sale. We are seeing that in our data. And among our... um, youngest buyers, they're actually using our realtors most. So a real estate agent or a realtor, um, but they're actually using a professional most in their home search process. Um, I think part of it, uh, from what we understand from them, is that it's a very confusing process. And you can't just rely on mom and dad who went through this process years ago. You need to really look to a professional to help you.
0: Another thing that I I read in the press release um, was about how for younger people, home ownership really matters to them, and there was that kind of emphasis on that in the press release. Do you yes. think you can expand mm-hmm. on that and what, what that means exactly?
1: Sure. So we ask a laundry list of questions about why did you go out and purchase a home right now? So was it a change in your family situation? Was it a job relocation? And those are popular reasons. Um, perhaps it's retirement among our older buyers um, or wanting to be closer to a better school or uh, quality of the school or location of a school among recent parents, family change uh, situation again, Um, and we see among our youngest buyers that the reason that they're buying more than 50% of them is just that desire to own a home. So it's no other reason on the board except for I want to get into that house that I'm going to love um, and is not just a temporary living situation. Most of them are renting before this, about 20% did live with mom and dad, but 65 are renting. So they're feeling in that temporary situation where they really want to just get into this place that they can call theirs.
0: I saw that it says that uh, millennial, the millennial generation is the second largest after the baby boom generation. Is that in terms of ownership, or is that just in general population, the number of people within those generations?
1: Sure. That That's a good question. Um, that's the second largest to just the generation. So when we looked at um, the home-buying generations, we saw if we had separated out in this report the younger boomers and the older boomers, just because those are different, different parts of the aging uh, population, and we want to make sure that the solid workforce is different than the retiring force right there. Um, and they have different trends among them. So when you combine the younger and the older boomers, you actually see that they are the first, the top home buying population right there, followed by Gen X and then followed by Gen Y. So 28% of recent buyers are Gen Y buyers, that millennial generation.
0: And uh, wait, how many more uh, boomers?
1: Boomers are, I believe, 33% when you combine younger and older boomers. Gen X is 31 and Gen Y is 28. So they're all very close together.
0: And one of the other generations listed that we didn't really talk about is the silent generation?
1: Sure. So those those are the folks who are probably in solid retirement mode um, and enjoying their home, perhaps on a golf course or close to their grandkids where they can really enjoy them. Um, so that's the type of generation that we're talking about there.
0: And they would probably be more in the seller category, correct?
1: We did find that among all of the recent buyers, the silent generation comprised of 10% of the buyer generation, the buyer population.
0: I think you mentioned this earlier, but I kind of just want to return to it really quick. So people who are in their 20s and 30s now, let's say like 20 years ago, people in their 20s and 30s, are less of them buying Mm -hmm. homes?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Unfortunately, this is the first time that we did this report, so we don't really have good data on it. Um, that I can compare. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's the hard part for this report. We were excited to do it this year, um, (laughs) but we Mm -hmm. don't have trend data on it.
0: And just looking at the trend data that you have now that you guys did for this year, what do you think that the next generation, what do you think that they're kind of, do you think they'll continue on with the trends set up by um, the millennials or will they be a little bit different? Or is there any way to tell?
1: Um, so, the millennial generation, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons why it is the largest cohort um, after the baby boomers is that it, when we look all the way back to 12 year olds in this report, um, they would be considered in the millennial generation. So, we did have to cut this off at um, the age of 18, uh, the typical home buyer, because um, you wouldn't have necessarily a 12 year old home buyer in the market. I think it would be interesting to see how different the top age of the millennials is going to be considered compared to the younger age. So it might be in the future that you would have to break it out just like you do now with the younger and older boomers, because that's going to be such a wide spectrum of people who didn't necessarily grow up with technology um, everywhere and may might have had their first computer in high school compared to the kids now who are 12 who have constantly had iPads around them or have their own cell phones at 12 years old. So I think it'll be interesting to compare those two different Um, cohorts, really.
0: Thanks to Jessica Louts for talking to me about home buying trends. For more information and research, you can visit realtor.org. I'm I'm Chris Williams on WFUV 90.7, and you're listening to Fordham Conversations.
2: Fordham
0: professor Emily Rosenbaum completed a study titled Cohort Trends in Housing and Household Formation Since 1990, which will appear in an upcoming book published by the Russell Sage Foundation titled The Lost Decade, social change in the u.s after 2000 professor rosenbaum explains why some people are waiting until they're older to own a home and how this compares to previous generations so for people who might not know can you just talk a little bit about what a cohort is
2: sure a cohort is a group of people um, and membership in the cohort is defined by um, an event so the most common cohort is a birth cohort. And so everybody born in a certain year or a a range of years would be members of that birth cohort. So the the most uh, uh, familiar birth cohort is probably the baby boom. And those people were born between 1946 and 1964.
0: So is that the cohort that you're looking at for this particular report?
2: I actually compare um, a number of cohorts. So I, I have the baby boom, but I split it into um, half. So there's the early baby boom and the late baby boom. And then the um, cohort following the baby boom is Generation X. And then following Generation X is Generation Y.
0: So when you set out to take on this project, did you have a main goal of sort of what you wanted to find? Or were you kind of open to finding different things?
2: Oh, well, I was open to finding different things. But um, I... I did want to uh, compare the different cohorts in terms of um, their success in the housing market and particularly with home ownership. Because so the thing with birth cohorts is that um, their relative size and the historical events that they experience over time, since each cohort experiences an, a given historical event at different stages in the life cycle, that really forms the cohort's um, uh, future prospects, if you will. Uh, those experiences get imprinted on the cohort. So since the younger cohorts were experiencing the um, Great Recession and the housing meltdown at particularly formative times in the life cycle, uh, the the Generation Y who were uh, 25 to 34 in 2010 were entering um, sort of adulthood and their housing careers right at the time that the economy burst. Um, and Generation X, who were uh, 35 to 44 in in 2010, were um, at a stage of the life cycle where their housing careers were at a uh, were, are typically at a, um, a steep incline. You know, they're they're entering homeownership at a faster rate than they were uh, 10 years earlier, 10 years younger. So I suspected that the uh, economic meltdown would have uh, stronger effects on how these two cohorts started out adulthood and started out their housing careers than um than the older cohorts who were at a more stable portion of the life cycle in terms of home ownership and housing in general
0: and one of the things that you write about is how this sort of affects when people will start getting married and having kids
2: well it can um, uh, uh, in addition to uh, simple home ownership. I also look at household formation. And so since the younger cohorts uh, were, as I said, um, either approaching adulthood, entering adulthood, or in a, a, a very formative stage of uh, middle adulthood, um, they, their ability to form independent households was far more constrained than it was for earlier cohorts at, a, at the same stage of the life cycle. And so this delay in um, establishing independent households, can have uh, repercussions on other aspects of adult transition, so um, forming forming a union, having kids, so on and so forth.
0: Looking forward, do you find that this delay is something that's going to keep happening, or or is it getting reduced, or is it?
2: Well, as I said, uh, experiences can imprint themselves on the cohort, and so this delay um, for the younger two cohorts um, may not be; they may not be able to make up for this delay. Um, right now, the housing market is picking up, and the economy is picking up, but it may be too little, too late, or uh, you know, it's it's unclear uh, just yet how these early experiences are going to affect the entire life cycle of Generation X and Generation Y. But it may be that their um, their progression along the life cycle may be more stunted or different, let's say, than, um, than those cohorts who went through the same stage of life course at earlier historical times during better economic conditions.
0: One of the things that you write about and argue is that U.S. census data for households is sort of a little bit inaccurate because it doesn't account for young adults living in that household who can't afford their own
2: place. Right. Well, it's not that it's inaccurate. It's just a different way of viewing it. So the household um, I'm sorry the home ownership rate is uh, calculated using households, so it's the number of uh, owner uh, headed let's say households divided by um all households so owners plus renters but it's but it's based on households so it's it's um uh, the only people who are counted in the numerator and denominator if you will is really the householder so the person who pays the rent or the mortgage or, you know, owns a house outright or apartment. Um, whereas if you're looking at individuals, um, you can, you're really focusing on headship. So you're focusing on who heads a household, who head I'm sorry, who heads a, an owner-occupied household, who owns a renter household, and then who lives in the households of other people. So, so it's true that the, household, uh, the household-based household the household based homeownership rate doesn't really take into account, either in the numerator or the denominator, the people who don't head a household, the people who aren't on the lease for a rental unit or paying the mortgage.
0: Just getting back to the idea of cohorts really quick, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that the economic collapse was sort of one of the reasons why there was this sort of delay in transitioning into adulthood. Right. Did you find anything else that could have contributed to that besides you know, economic reasons?
2: Well, uh, just from a purely descriptive standpoint, it's clear that um, all cohorts uh, up to, let's say, the the early baby boom in particular, and the early baby boom was born between 1946 and 1955, so they were 55 to 64 in 2010. All those cohorts showed um, a depressed uh, progression, a flatter curve, if you will, a flatter uh, angle, in terms of the increase in in home ownership over time so um so basically relative to the next earlier cohort um each cohort suffered in 2010 so everybody was affected by the economic recession and the housing meltdown but the the cohorts who were affected the most were the younger cohorts who were just trying to get a foothold in the economy and in the housing market
0: what is the the latest generation that you've been looking at called
2: Generation Y, uh, who was 25 to 34, they were uh, the youngest generation that I could um, examine from this perspective in 2010. So the generation following them, the echo boom, that I I, I call them the echo boom, uh, they were born between 1986 and 1995. So in 2010, they were 15 to 24, so they were really just on the cusp. Of adulthood, which I'm defining as 25, you know, after uh, assuming that everybody's done with education at that point, and trying to establish themselves in the in the labor market and the housing market. So that cohort, uh, who will be 25 to 24 in 2020, they're right now entering into uh, the labor market and the housing market, and so they're experiencing sort of the similar conditions, but a little bit better than to Generation Y. The echo boom may do better in 2020 than Generation Y did in 2010, but time will tell.
0: So going forward, it's really hard to predict exactly what will happen.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the echo boom is a little bit larger than Generation Y, so there's a little bit more competition um, among them uh, for uh, economic position and for position in the housing market.
0: Why pick this time period specifically? Because you're looking at it from... 1990 onwards, correct? Yeah. Was that just the data that was available to you, or were you particularly interested in this time period?
2: Well, the uh, the project that this uh, paper uh, was a part of is the U.S. 2010 Census project, which is um, uh, jointly uh, funded. Well, it's funded by the Russell Sage Foundation, um, and so it's housed jointly at Russell Sage and at Brown University, where the um, where the project director is. And um, so the the overall goal of uh, the 2010 project was to examine um, how the U.S. has changed um, in different aspects um, between 2000 and 2010. Um, the 2010 project was unique, of course, that um, midway through the um, through the decade, we had this tremendous, you know, macroeconomic collapse. Um, so. Uh, so all of the projects to, to differing degrees um, didn't just look at or chose to look beyond the changes just between 20, uh, 2000 and 2010, but also to look um, at the mid-decade conditions and how that affected these various um, demographic and social and economic conditions. So uh, one group was looking at family. I was looking at housing. Another group was looking at neighborhoods and residential segregation. Another group was looking at income inequality. Um, and there were uh, several economists looking at employment and, and other things.
0: When you were looking at these cohort groups, was it merely, you know, this is the cohort group they were born in this time, or did you kind of break it up from there, from you know, break it up into gender or race or families' prior income, or things like that?
2: Uh, well, I did look at um, uh, uh, each racial and ethnic group separately. So I looked at the cohort progressions. For uh, non-Hispanic whites, non-Hispanic blacks, uh, Latinos, and, and Asians, and um, the groups exhibited very different patterns, as you would expect. So um, the uh, the um, uh, recession and housing meltdown disproportionately affected African American cohorts, but some of the um, some of the the large differences between um, uh, cohorts in 1990, 2000, and then 2010. Uh, was due to tremendous growth in home ownership for African Americans of lots of different cohorts between 1990 and 2000, when the economy was in much better shape, and there were uh, policy initiatives to, um, aimed at increasing the home ownership opportunities of minority households as well as low-income households, but in a safer way than um, than what happened in the subsequent decade with the subprime crisis and all.
0: I also want to ask you about prior projects that you've worked on have you have you looked at cohort groups from time periods prior
2: uh no but uh, but several other people have so um Mm -hmm. so my project built on what other people had done and extended it in different ways especially with the headship analysis do people
0: even like look into cohort groups before the great depression or or not really since it's (laughs) kind of going back a little bit too far
2: um I'm sure people have I can't think off the top of my head of any analyses that looked at them but um but for uh well for housing analysis for cohort um progression in, in housing uh the typical analyses start with um cohorts born in the depression because of the uh tremendous suburbanization that happened in the 50s which affected the um uh the cohorts born uh during World War II and the depression um so their opportunities expanded dramatically but of course there were racial differences in those opportunities since um suburbanization was uh largely limited to white households so the the historical periods um have really sort of determined the the um the analyses of uh housing progression for cohorts some some have looked at at um uh the life uh, cycle of of earlier cohorts but Um, the uh, larger portion of of studies have have, um, uh, sort of focused on on the cohorts born in the Depression and beyond.
0: Just getting a little bit more specific about what we talked about earlier, so what would the average age of someone, let's say, born of the earlier baby boom generation, what would their average age be when buying a home and, and starting a household compared to someone you know, a generation Y.
2: Uh, well, it would be younger, of course.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, so for average age, I don't, I don't really know.
0: Thanks to Professor Rosenbaum for talking with me about her study, which can be found in the upcoming book *The Lost Decade: Social Change in the U.S. After 2000*. <laughs> been Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7. You can listen to our show every Saturday at 7 a.m. And don't worry if you've missed a show. They're all available to download as a podcast. You can also like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned. George Bodarchy and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Chris Williams. (laughs)